Hey, I'm Leah Santa Cruz. I'm one of the meditation coaches on the Balance app, along with Afosu Jones Corte, and this is our weekly show, Well Balanced. Today we're seeing how all your rhyming turned out last week, and that was inspired by last week's guest, Josiah Frazier. And we're concluding our month of wellness challenges by discussing how to sustain any behavioral changes that may have worked for you for these past few weeks with us. So Ofosu isn't here today. He's on a meditation retreat in Vermont. Lucky him. But we have a really awesome guest, Amy Tran. You might know her from her account, Doodled Wellness on social media, where she makes anxiety and mindfulness and self-love really accessible through doodles and graphics. She's also a PhD candidate in clinical psychology. She's smart cookie and she's been doing these challenges along with us all month. Hi, Amy. How are you? Great. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show and hello, everyone. So before we zoom out to talk about the challenges, last week we had on Josiah Frazier. He's also known as Guy with the Hair on social media. He gave us our last wellness challenge for National Wellness Month. He challenged us to make rhymes about mental health and well-being to the tune of the song that he uses in his videos. And we got a ton of awesome recordings from our listeners. So I'm just going to play a montage of a bunch of those and then we can chat about it, Amy. Sounds good. I am smart and cool and kind of really awesome guy. Always fun to be around because I am super fly. Some people like to meditate. It's how they do self-care. But me, I like to run a lot. The Zen, it takes me there. I see lots of perspectives, makes it hard to decide. But when I breathe and trust myself, I know that I can thrive. Feel a lot of pressure to be perfect every day. But you're more than enough. Remember, it's okay to fail. How bad do I look is a phrase I'm known to say when what I should be saying is I look great today. I took some string and found some bees, was mindful of my needs. Making mala with no drama is my new hobby. I love these. (laughs) (laughs) They're so good, right? People are so creative. I was like, yep, I like that one. I like that one. So I want to know, well, what do you think as a, you know, is happening on a psychological level when we, we take words like this, maybe about things that are hard to talk about or a little taboo, and then we put them into a rhyme or a song? Mm -hmm. I mean, I have so many thoughts about it. I would say that when we are just left with our thoughts, they kind of swirl around, they can get messy, overwhelming. I think when we are tasked with something like making a rhyme, making a song, being creative, we have to actually carefully select the words we're using. So then there's a lot more intention that goes to the process. I think that Mm -hmm. when we speak aloud and channel our creativity, we actually pull on the part of our brain called the prefrontal cortex. And that part of the brain is less quote unquote emotional. So in some ways, it can actually be a very helpful and therapeutic way for people to process their emotions. So instead of thinking, you know, oh my God, why do I look so bad and swirling in that kind of distress, we are able to channel a different part of our brain. And that part of the brain is less emotional and it's an opportunity for us to process what we're feeling and what we're going through mm. without having so much emotional you know, intensity fueling it. 
which I think is really cool. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like what we practice in mindfulness or in meditation. You know, we we just learn how to engage with what it is that's going on without being so in it that we can get that outside perspective enough to go, oh, maybe like, maybe there there is something outside of this. (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I know that you did those challenges along with us and our listeners. So yeah, for those who might not be aware, um, thinking back on our our four challenges from August, we had listening to music, uh, your favorite piece of music and doing nothing else, just listening to it. And then the second challenge was what would you do if you had $300,000? What would you do with that money? And then the third challenge was not having your phone near you for the first hour of the day. And then the last challenge was making a rhyme to help with your self-love or your well-being. And I was curious to ask you, Amy, let's say one of these tasks made me feel really good. Where do I go from here? Like, how how can I keep this going? You know what? This is going to be <laughs> so funny. I'm going to sound like a grade five teacher. But like, put it, write it down and put it in your agenda or schedule it in. <laughs> and I, I actually mean that because I find that when we just say, oh, I'm going to do it, you know, what ends up happening for many of the people I work with, and even for me, is that when the time comes, I actually put more weight into my mood. I will let my mood drive what I decide to do. And usually my mood is like, eh, I don't want to do that. So I love this quote. It's like, follow your plan, not your mood. And what I have found Mm. is when I do commit to the thing I write down, put it in my agenda, put it on a sticky note or whatever, and I do it, once I've done it, I'll actually feel pretty good. So it's like almost a way for me to change my mood as well. So follow the plan, not the mood. So I would say to people listening is just to put it into your schedule and not just do this today, like actually pick a time, you know, like really commit to it. Mm. I like that. I like planning it. You know, so as a meditation coach or teacher, I I find myself in this interesting intersection between, you know, the, the more mental health field mm-hmm. and more psychology approach. And then also I have a foot in like the so-called, you know, conscious or spiritual communities. I live in Bali yes. and I see a lot of people, for example, coming to Bali, they're like, I've got one week, man, I'm going to do all the things and I'm going to go back home and I'm going to be a different person. I'll be transformed. I think there's so many people seeking these peak experiences to um, like be the the flip the switch and be the game changer. Mm -hmm. And of course, we've heard stories about it happening, but I feel like what's not being talked about so much is like the everyday, maybe a little bit more boring Mm -hmm. personal development work that actually moves the needle more in the long term. And I was curious to ask you about that. If we want to switch our mental health in the long term in a more positive direction versus, you know, finding like little quick fixes. I'm like, oh, this little thing is going to change everything. Like, how can we look at it from a bigger perspective of like, what are the core areas that we should really be focusing on? Yeah, yeah. You know, if we think about it from a neurological perspective, right? We think about the brain as all of these pathways, some different connections in the brain. So there's a saying, it's what fires together, wires together, 
right? So if you have repeated experiences together, that's how your brain is going to wire. So these are your thoughts, different emotions, um, habits, like if I'm stressed, what do I tend to do first, right? Uh, do I stress eat? Do I try to grab like a glass of wine or whatever it is? So over time, those connections, they fire together, they wire together and get really, really strong. So if we follow that logic, then we would also assume that in order to unlearn those things, to tease those connections apart or weaken those connections, that's also going to take time. So I think, mm -hmm. you know, these retreats and all of these things, they're amazing because you have a guide, you have someone that has a lot of experience. And I think one of the key things is that they're going to help you see things in a different way or give you new perspectives or see like a corner in your mind that you can identify. And that's really, really important. But in order to have lasting change and to grow from that change and from that moment, it's repeated habits and repeated mm. exercises that we have to do on our own so that the brain has more and more opportunities to unlearn what doesn't serve us anymore. And then we can consciously create a newer version of ourselves. Mm, I like that. It's not just learning something new. It's sort of, um, it's like over and over again, going yeah. towards that yeah, yeah. new p pathway, that new behavior so that the old one uh, becomes less autopilot. Exactly. So yeah. how can we identify like what behaviors might have to change? I was actually thinking about this the other day and I was thinking these are the core things that I would tell myself and the people I work with is that one, does it cause more harm in the long term? So there's a lot of things people do to cope that bring temporary relief, but perhaps it's harmful for their health or their relationships. Um, procrastination is a good example, you know, oh, I'm anxious about this. So like to cope, I'm just going to procrastinate. Well, the task is, it needs to be done later on. Um, so thinking about long-term consequences. And then I also think that it's important for us to figure out whether or not what we're doing aligns with our values and our authentic self mm. and also our boundaries. It makes me think about like somebody going on a, you know, a retreat or um, doing like a whatever cool challenge, but then not changing anything else about their life and like still eating the same diet, still hanging out with friends yeah. that are, you know, toxic or not having supportive people around them and not making like these kind of core foundational changes in their life. Yeah. And, you know, and wondering like, why isn't this thing working? Yeah, and I actually love that you brought that up because I think that we don't talk about how diet can influence our mental health and our overall health and how the people we're around can influence that and our movement and our lifestyle really. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important not to pick one thing and focus on it, like you said, and then be frustrated about why it's not really like playing out the way you thought it was because we're more complex than that. We're just, we're, we want to look at it more holistically. So I love that you brought that up. So I'm curious, um, do you have something that you are working on or want to change? Like what's worked for you? 
mm-hmm. as far as um, adopting new behaviors in your own life? Yeah, I mean, I am a recovering perfectionist. So one of the things that I've noticed uh, is that I am obsessed with work. <laughs> and mm. I work because I do I do it to cope, essentially. I, I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel like I'm I'm not valid or worthy. So then I work. But then when I'm working, my my nervous system, like I'm just so anxious the whole time. And before I'd be like, no, I have to keep going. Like this is how I'm gonna make myself feel better, right? And I think within the last three years, the thing that I have done is really to notice that, to listen to my body. It'd be so bad that I would not go to the bathroom even though I wanted to go to the bathroom and be thirsty. I wouldn't have a drink of water. I just kept going. So for me, it was just being more aware of what my body was telling me. And mindfulness Mm. actually really helped with this. And I love that I'm actually even speaking to you because I use the app as one of the first meditation apps I use. And that's how I started to learn in the morning and when I was feeling stressed. So I think practicing mindfulness and meditation helped me learn to be the observer. So when I was in a state of like, oh my God, I got to do more, I got to do more, I'd be like, okay, wait, what is my body actually trying to tell me? Okay, five minutes of stretching is not going to kill me. Let's just get out of my chair, go on the mat and come back. And every single time I do that, it gets better and it just reminds myself how important it is. So that's what I'm working on is just really being aware of my body and knowing when I need to kind of give myself a timeout and not drive myself mm. into chaos and distress. I, I like your example. I relate to it so much. I have had periods of my life when I've been totally in that perfectionist mode, workaholic, mm. or maybe you'd even go so far as saying like this obsessive compulsive drive. Yes. But I also think it's like, to me, it feels like the opposite of uh, the procrastinator, right? You're like doing so much all mm-hmm. the time that you you can't take care of yourself. And so both of those have a long-term consequences. Like back to what you said about like, what is going to have long-term consequences for you? Mm-hmm. And looking at that question to change the behavior. Yeah, This has been really great food for thought. I love hearing your story. I love... Um, hearing your thoughts as somebody who has studied psychology and can help us get a deeper dive into who we are and why why we do what we do, why we're motivated to do what we do. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. And I want to say thank you to everyone who participated in the challenges this past month. If you participated, it was really, really fun to hear from you all in doing these with us. And I hope the challenges helped you like they helped Ofosu and I and Amy. All right. If you want to learn more about Amy Tran's work, you can follow her on social media at Doodled Wellness. And we've got a link to learn more about her upcoming book titled, This Book is a Safe Space, in the show notes. And if you want to stay up to date with our show, you can listen and follow wherever you get your podcast. We're literally everywhere. We're on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, and so many more. And I'll be back next week with Ofosu. And until then, have a beautiful week.